0: Hello and welcome to the Pricing Queen podcast with me, Sally Farrant. Each week on the show, I talk about different aspects of pricing, sometimes with interviewees and sometimes just on my own, but also about how to manage finances in your small business. Pricing is one of the biggest issues in every small business, as this can be the difference between making a profit and making a loss. So I hope to inspire you with interesting stories and practical tips about how to improve your pricing and make more money in your business. I have a background in corporate businesses and have now brought this to the small business world and I want to inspire you that you can put your prices up at any time and make more money. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's show, I'm interviewing Jessica Lorimer. Jessica is the founder of Sell to Corporates and on the show, she talks a lot about how you can sell to corporates as a part or a complete part of your revenue streams So I want you to listen to this episode with an open mind. I think it's very tempting for us all to think that we don't want to sell to corporates, that it would be difficult and it would be challenging to do so. And I think although that is true in some respects, it's also a really, really important part of your business where you could grow and scale your business because corporates can generally be more expensive and you can charge more. So without further ado, on with the show. So today on the show, I've got Jessica Lorimer. Hi, Jess. Introduce yourself. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be
1: here. It's always nice to be on a podcast. Um, So if you haven't come across me before, I uh, specialise in supporting entrepreneurs to sell their services into uh, corporates, which doesn't sound sexy, but I promise by the end of it, you will either think it sounds sexier or you'll be completely (laughs) turned off and never want to sell to a company again, which is also a win. You know, decisions are good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, no, accounting's not sexy either, so <laughs> we're we a we're in good company. <laughs> so talk to, because so people say, well, what does kind of corporates mean and what's that, I guess, what's that's different between most of our kind of individual, very small business?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So I I get asked this a lot, as you can imagine. And so I always go back to the dictionary definition of things when I'm like, let's give people a categoric answer. So. Categorically, the dictionary uh, defines a corporate as being more than a few employees, which I think is probably about the vaguest thing you could say um, and, and was not impressed. But, you know, we are where we are. So a corporate essentially is an organization that has multiple employees. It will be different from a solopreneur in that they will have permanent employees on their books and they will be working you know to provide their end users their customers with a specific service product or experience and that's all it is so you can be a solopreneur and you can be turning over 750 a million pounds a year whatever it is that you want um, to be producing and, and whatever revenue you're generating but not be defined as a corporate because you don't have multiple permanent employees that you are necessarily registering tax on and, and, and paying things on <clears throat> corporates themselves equally can be turning over less than some solopreneurs in in certain circumstances uh, it's not the most usual thing that we see, thankfully for, for me and my clients, but you know, we live and learn. Um, and so they they will be making turnovers that can be similar in, in some respects to solopreneurs, but they will have this um, staff component that a solopreneur wouldn't.
0: And what difference does that make when it comes to kind of selling to people, maybe looking at the pricing aspects of it, but just in general kind of why would you want to sell to a corporate? And what difference is it to sell to a corporate than, than you know, individuals?
1: It's quite interesting for me
0: because I came from
1: corporate. So I'd had a corporate career, you know, like you. I, I was one of those people and I was a fully paid up member of the corporate club. Like I had a BlackBerry this really dates oh, yeah. my yeah. corporate career. I had a brown pilot. Oh my gosh. See, like, it's just it, it's, it's a sexy industry. Um, but, you know, I had I had a BlackBerry. I had a um, at the height of my career, I had a briefcase that was very exciting. Um, and, and as I was leaving, they were actually asking me if I wanted to trial an iPhone. For, for emails and, and things so I could be contacted outside of work um, and it was it was great like I loved working in corporate I did and I honestly thought I'd be there forever I really enjoyed what I did I was responsible for new business development um, across a variety of different companies across the world having some great experiences making decent money um, having a good time and I was diagnosed with ME So I was diagnosed with myaldic encephalitis in 2013 Um, and honestly that was just my body saying no, this, this isn't the life that you can have anymore. And I remember my doctor, he said to me, well look, the reality is if you continue working 85 hours plus per week and you keep with the energy you're expending on all of that, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 35 and ouch. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, OK, that's um, not not the ideal prospect. As a 23 year old, I'm kind of like, oh, what? Like, I, I love all of the things that I do, um, mainly going out, getting drunk and dancing, you know, regularly. <laughs> and then that would have been hindered at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it was a real shock. And, and so that's why, you know, I, I talked to the company I worked for and they were great. And they said, look, you know, we love you. We we. Think the work you do is phenomenal. You make us a ton of money, but the reality is we don't offer part-time positions in what you do. That's not something that we have the capacity for. And I remember thinking, God, that's so unfair. But getting it because you know that was the there was just the way things worked then. And I left and, and set up my business because I wanted to sell to other people. And I spent a good portion of my business selling b2c business to consumer for that reason because i felt like i'd been really burnt by the corporate world i felt like i'd been this high flyer top performer and then suddenly when when i couldn't do the hours but i could still do the job they'd kind of gone no get get off over there kind of thing and that was really hard for me and so i i spent a good five years selling b2c teaching sales skills and the psychology of sales and i was one of those business owners who had the multiple funnels so the the kind of peak of my b2c business we had 27 different active funnels we were running Facebook ads um, and Instagram ads and basically ads on every platform you can possibly think of uh, spending a ton of money doing that and the costs were getting higher and higher um, and in the background I'd always been working with clients both b2c and b2b and um, to improve how they were selling their services um, to other organizations. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm done with Zuckerberg's kind of MLM model of you pay us for ads, we will find hopefully some people that wanna buy your stuff. And I decided to go public in 2019. I burnt down my entire B2C business. Um, We stopped all of the funnels and I went public on we're only gonna teach people have a sell to corporates, and, and we're going to build out that area of the business alongside our sales training consultancy, which specializes in supporting sports organizations um, to train their salespeople on corporate sponsorship, landing corporate partnerships, all that kind of thing. And we went all in. And, and it was probably, you know, you as an accountant would be like, oh, because my accountant was not thrilled by this idea. He's like, whoa, you... <laughs> hang on a minute, you're telling me you're going to throw away all of this money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to throw it all away because I want to teach people how to sell to corporates because they pay more. So the average corporate deal in the UK is worth ten thousand pounds to a any business, right? So that's the average across the board, and the average B to C sale is worth fifteen hundred. And you know that is a stat that was coined by people who do far more research than I do, and um, and and is is kind of pushed about regularly. Um, but you can find it in Harvard Business Review and and McKinsey reports and things. And the reality is, I inherently as a human being, quite lazy. I wanted five times the money for five times less work. And that's what, you know, that, that is the B2B sales process. It's much more targeted. It's much easier to find out who's gonna be responsible for the area that you want to um, sell to or help it to improve. They pay you more. You are much more able to get uh, resells or upsells working with corporates. And actually, the working life as an external supplier, I hasten to add, as an external supplier with a corporate is much better. So me and my clients, you know, we we all work a lot less in terms of hours, but get to work with some of the world's biggest brands across you know a variety of different industries and sectors, and actually have a better work-life balance. And for me. That's the dream. That was, you know, that that was always the dream when I left corporate and, and it's great now. I mean, not that I spend my time doing anything particularly exciting, but if I want to spend my free time binge watching, you know, four seasons of Friends, I can do that and nobody judges me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think that's right. I think so many people end up in their corporate... I just certainly did. I was in my corporate job. It was slightly different. I've got small kids. Mm -hmm. I was working three days a week. But the job was just creeping to being five days a week. And I was like, but the days I'm not working, I've got the kids at home. Mm -hmm. I actually need to be with my children. And I'm not being paid to do this i was well paid for the job but i was like i've been paid to work five days a week but in a senior role that's difficult to kind of go and say and in the end it's just like actually you know what this just is too much and i'm going to burn out because i'm trying to do all the things all the time i think lots of people end up for different reasons leaving corporate jobs because they just don't fit the lifestyle you want whether it's a health thing whether it's family whatever it is and i think it's you know, but then often people forget they could go back to work. You know, I work some with corporates as well. And it's like you forget that you can actually still work with them. They're quite useful people and they can they often be offer. your first clients.
1: Yeah, for cash injections. And, you know, even if you don't... I would say to people, look, you might not want to sell to corporates as being your primary source of income forever. Like, that might not be the case. But if you can top up your income every single quarter with a multi-five-figure sale or a six-figure sale or even a multi-six-figure sale in, in some cases why would you not? Like Because that that to me, and I will firmly sit on on my side of the fence and say that I absolutely, I I want my clients to get the results that they want to get, but I also have a mortgage to pay. And so I started my business very, very frankly, to make money, to make profit, to pay myself what I was getting paid in my corporate job and more. And so the reality is that it's a great cash flow for, for us. And know obviously now we do it permanently so it's slightly different but um it, it is that way and a lot of people will say selling to corporate isn't sexy and i mean i would disagree in in some cases i love the brands i work with you know i i've always loved my corporate clients and i i also think that anyone who's telling themselves not to sell to corporates because they believe they can make more of an impact elsewhere honestly is is kind of selling themselves short because the reality is if you're working with a company that's got a 1,000 people, 2,000 people, 5,000 people, however many thousand people in it, and you're training anybody in there, they're learning the skills that you're training them on and they're taking that home and they're impacting their partner or their spouse or their children or their you know, family around them and their friends and, and that's going upwards and downwards in an organization as well. So if you train one team, you're, you're impacting other teams and other people. And I think that we can all come up with any reason you like to not sell to corporates. But when you look at the facts on paper, it's actually very difficult to understand why you wouldn't be doing it. And I think that the biggest, the biggest reason that people don't after they've talked themselves in and out of whether it's about impact or whether it's about, you know, um, income and, and things, is that it seems like a complex process and that's why a lot of people don't do it because they don't understand how it works it's not about posting on social media it's a lot about you know people often think they're going to get directly rejected and that's uncomfortable um and and so that's why people avoid it because they don't understand the process and they might not want to do it
0: yeah i think that's right. i think it's yeah i think it's just The whole thing of kind of going, well, it's kind of not altruistic to work with kind of corporates and stuff, but it's like, but you could also look at it that you go, well, actually, if I do a big chunk of corporate work, I pay more taxes, I can also give away my time for free in other things and volunteer to do other things. If I have to work less and earn more, I can do other stuff with my time and my money. And I think it's always that thing of earning more is a good thing, generally, and that however you do that, you know, you just keep, you know, you're always giving back somewhere.
1: 100. I mean, I just paid, I was saying to my clients yesterday, I've just paid a £46,000 VAT bill. And I mean, honestly, I just, <laughs> I sat there and, and I would love to be one of those people who went, I'm so grateful to pay this VAT bill. <laughs> but honestly, like let's say are, are any of us really, those people, maybe it's no. just me, maybe I'm <laughs> But you know, I, I pay the VAT bill because I've, I've made the sales and that's exactly, you know, when I was sat down having a chat with, with our finance team about it, they were like, well, know really this is a good thing because we've made the sales and and that is a good thing but equally if we look at the way that you know the training that we've delivered has impacted the organizations we've worked with it's actually kept people in jobs so when we look at that altruism piece you know yes absolutely we can do better things with our time and and you know i i do a lot of like charity stuff and, and things but equally in that organization you do change people's lives and and you keep people in jobs during one of the worst pandemics we've seen and you help people manage their time better and you help people manage their mindset better and actually that means that there's a reduced amount of stress in an organization or that someone's not going home and yelling at their kids every night for no reason other than they're tired and stressed and and, you know kind of frantic so i i think it's it's a wonderful thing to want to help people and and we all do like that's that's humanity but the other thing that we have to do as business owners is understand that the oxygen mask has to go on us first and it has to financially be profitable and commercially viable for our businesses before we do all of the other stuff that typically comes with b2c work and a lot of that is you know, speak for exposure. Don't get paid to do free trainings. Like all of this kind of stuff that you do, corporates don't expect you to do that. They they will pay you for that, as they should, as anybody should, right? We we, we have to be. Um, and I think that's that's probably quite a, a female thing sometimes is that women don't necessarily negotiate. We don't necessarily ask to be paid. We don't talk about money. That's why yeah. this podcast is so great,
0: right? Yeah, well, people, yeah just, don't talk, just don't talk about money and, and give away money power and all of that sort of stuff. And often I think a lot of women, it's not true of everybody, but a lot of women are secondary earners and stuff like that, where there's not the same hu- hustle pressure, if you like. Um, but it also means they're to, to undervalue themselves as well, which is, tends to make it more difficult. You know, when you've got to pay the mortgage, there's a, there's a bit more hunger about it. But, but equally, it could also, everybody can think it's a hobby and kind of never quite, quite go for it as well, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's scary. Like having a business and it not being a hobby, is a scary thing, right? You know, I would say to people, like, if you're not generating profit, you've got a very expensive hobby. Yes. And I horse ride, so I, you yeah, know, I know a lot of that it expensive hobbies. Expensive hobby. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much to whoever designed horse riding as a sport. By the way.
0: <laughs> God, it's just yeah, my mother in law uh, It's a crazy. Horse owner. Oh, my Absolutely God. crazy,
1: but. But it's that kind of thing and if you are, you know, if you're a business owner, if you're a solopreneur and you're selling a service and you think, okay, my service can impact people, then you absolutely should be integrating a corporate revenue stream if even if that is only to fund your B2C work. You know, and that's a lot of my clients do that. They're like, look, corporate isn't necessarily my primary it doesn't need to be my primary income source, but I want it to fund the Facebook ads, the funnels, the snazzy website, the, you know, whatever else it is that I'm investing in. That's fine. Nobody says that you have to do it and and it has to be the the biggest part of your business, for sure. But I think we we have to look at where the world is going. And the reality is that there is a clear demise in influencers. You know, that we're we're seeing that market um, experience a, a downturn that's becoming problematic. We're seeing more social media platforms rise from the dust seemingly. And, and I don't even know them all anymore. And I, I'm only
0: 31 <laughs> and I'm still,
1: I'm too old for it. Like I'm just, I'm just done. Like I don't wanna make TikToks. I don't, I don't wanna sit and, and like do these things because I don't care enough to do them. And I, I just know that my friends will be sat there like, oh Jess, really? I don't blame anyone for doing them. I've got lots of friends who do and who are phenomenal, but I don't want to spend all of my free time creating tons and tons of content to push and and to pump this consumption model. Instead, I'd rather just be paid for the work that I'm doing, for the value that I can add and know that people will be implementing that and actually using it. And that's it. Yeah, because corporates
0: don't pay for stuff they don't plan to implement.
1: Exactly. And that's the great thing. Everyone that goes to a corporate training has to do it. You know that. They know that. And I mean, it sucks to be sat in that training being told you've got to learn this thing. You've got to do this thing because someone, you know, thought it would be a good idea. And if they get a great trainer, they walk away from that going, wow, that was awesome. I'm going to use it here, here and here. And you see those results produce that return time and time and time again. And that's a great thing. I think we don't, we just don't always talk about it we don't always think about it you know we don't we would like to think that every single person that bought one of our courses is going to go away and and implement it immediately and honestly reality is a lot of them won't this industry has a 12 percent like 12 percent success rate it's got an even lower completion rate and so if if you're talking about income and impact go and and sell to people who are going to have to do the work. That's going to be much more successful for you
0: yeah and much easier i mean i always say to people you know like building the kind of funnels and all that sort of thing requires an audience and i've I, you know i've spent some time building an audience and it's it's you know it's working well for me but there's still a good chunk of corporate work that i do which still currently helps to pay the bills and i think it's a really important part now how do you so if you're not somebody who's ever really worked with corporates so you and i have worked with corporates so we kind of know how they work how do you how do you choose who you want to approach how do you approach people how do you get into the right place and all of that sort of thing so people
1: people often think it's quite complex and especially if you're coming from b to c where the methodology is much more much more unusual really because you're trying to get a high volume of people into the top of a funnel and then you're trying to whittle them down and get the right people to buy over time now, that's a really lengthy way of making a sale. And, and historically, you know, if you look at salespeople, we've cold called for years because we know it works, because it's quick. So when we're looking at this B2B sales process, instead of trying to get a high volume of people, build a massive audience at the top of the funnel, and then whittle them down, we actually go small at the beginning. So you choose and target very, very specific industries, very, very specific stakeholders in those industries, and you have conversations with them and that's going to make it much much quicker to get to the sale so your first point of call is choose the industry that you want to work with and i know that people are going to listen to this and go oh but what what industry is a money-making industry and all this kind of thing there's none you can sell anything honestly i promise you we've seen some very weird and wonderful things be sold to corporates over the last five years um <laughs> so you can sell anything to any industry what i would recommend is understanding two things. One, it's absolutely fine to pick the first thing that pops into your head. Pick an industry that you like. That's going to make life a lot easier, because let's face it, you're going to be doing lead generation and business development, and sometimes that's really fun, and sometimes it isn't. So when it isn't, it's good to have something at least you're interested in, or that you you know think is, is generally engaging. Second thing is, it's not going to be your forever niche. That's of people will pick an industry and they will do it for 90 days and that's what we recommend, you stick to it for 90 days, you start generating leads, you start having business development calls, you start putting offers together with companies, you hopefully sell some of those things and start getting paid and delivering things and that means you assess you actually like working with that kind of company or that particular industry, okay, so don't see whatever you pick now as being your forever choice, it's not the case give it 90 days, pick something you like. I picked sports for our training consultancy. I, I don't even play a sport, but I like going to sports things. Um, you know, I like rugby, I think that's all right. Um, yeah. I don't understand any of the rules, but it's, it's cool. I like the free days out, that's, that's why we did it. Um, nothing other than that, and, and that's as simple as it is. Once you've got your clarity around which industry you're going to target for 90 days, you're into lead generation. There are thousands of different ways to generate leads out there, but honestly, LinkedIn is probably the easiest and the cheapest, it's free. You can go onto LinkedIn, you can search HR manager at target company number one, and up they will pop. And then you can drop them a nice transparent message about why you'd like to connect with them. And that is really important. I know there are people out there who teach don't send connection messages. And I mean, that's a whole lot of problems later on in trying to navigate how to turn a relatively innocent and bland looking connection request into some kind of sales conversation afterwards unless you're producing a lot of content Um, so send them a nice transparent connection request with what you'd like to discuss be assumptive about it um, and generate that lead and then your aim is to get that person on a call with you and to have what we call a business development call And during that business development call, your job is to do three things. One, set an agenda, take control of that call, understand what you want from it, and also what the other person is gonna get from it. When we're selling to corporates, our job is to make sure that everything is mutually beneficial, and that's really, really important. You're not wasting their time, they're not wasting yours. Your second job is to understand what problems they have in your remit. What is it that they are struggling with in your particular discipline so your discipline is the skill that you have or that you're trying to sell and the industry is the types of companies that you want to work with okay and then your third thing is to get them to a point where they are ready to make a decision on fixing that problem and that's about the kind of questions that you ask that's about talking about you know what's the impact of that problem on your team or on you as a manager or on you as a leader what's the impact you know what's that costing you in terms of for example people taking time off people on long-term absence massively stressed organization under pressure from covid or any other external forces you know kind of going on and you get them to that point where they say okay yeah great how can we fix this with you and most stakeholders will do that because they're bright people they're in jobs they they have decision fatigue they don't want to have these types of conversations with 10, 20, 30 people a week, and that is you know, the, the reality when you're working in an organization as a stakeholder, you're getting a lot of calls. So they wanna have that conversation, an intelligent conversation with somebody who understands and then they'll say, okay, great, how can you help us? And you'll submit a proposal and you'll talk in that proposal about the solution you want to provide, what features it contains, the benefits and how it's gonna help them get to the transformation they want and what your price is. And you'll also include, and this is key, a scope of work so that they know what your boundaries are, so that they know that you're not going to be answering emails on some kind of new version of a Blackberry at like 11pm, that's not going to happen, and, and you get to insert those boundaries and you get to be very clear right from that proposal stage, this is what I will do and this is what I will not do and this is how much you would need to pay me. And then you deliver and you do it well and you, you take pride in that. And after you've delivered, you ask them, okay, what's next? What else can I do? And that is it, that, that's the entire process of selling to a corporate successfully. And I realize that, that seems quite flippant and it's not, you know, obviously there are a challenges that everybody experiences in those phases. But when we talk about a sales process, the thing that's most important is that when we are using or when we're looking at selling B2B, our input reflects our output and it's predictable when we're selling b to c it's not always you can put in the most time ever creating the best content spending hours editing videos and pop, like you and i both have podcasts so we spend a lot of time creating content you know all this kind of thing and you'll never know who it impacts and you'll never know why it doesn't make the sale when you want it to because it's a numbers game a lot of the time when you're selling B2B, you can predict it every stage. You can say, okay, great, I sent out 100 connection requests, for example, and of those 100, 50 connected with me. And out of those 50, 10 booked calls with me. And out of those 10 that booked calls with me, I managed to get asked for three proposals. And out of that three proposals, one of them closed into a sale that's worth this. And you can make that process, and you can play with that over time to make it more efficient, to make it better, to get better results in a way that is virtually impossible to do b2c.
0: Yeah, because you just can't. It's such a low conversion rates and all that sort of thing b2c. I mean, it's, it it can be very successful, but you've got to have a really big funnel and all of those sort of things and it takes a lot of time. Like b2b if you need stuff tomorrow, you can kind of get out there and, you know,
1: 100%. You know. You, you can pick up the phone and call somebody. I mean, I know it's very 90s to suggest that. I know that everybody dies at the thought of cold calling, but You know, if you really wanted to, you could do that tomorrow and be like, right, I'm just gonna phone companies and see who wants this particular thing. Or you can start a LinkedIn lead generation process and connect with people and and start booking calls with them. It's very, very simple. With B2C, it is much harder. The conversion rate is between one and 2% for the majority of people's audiences. So that means that unless you have got an audience that is established and built, it is going to take you a little bit longer to hit the financial goals that you want. And that might not be your focus, like you might be, I could be incredibly wrong, but I always assume if people listen to a finance podcast, you're interested in profit and you know, retaining money if not making it, but you don't want to spend tons and tons of time and having huge upfront costs to then have to recoup that later on. It just, it's much harder as a business model. Um, but, you know, obviously, I'm completely biased because I like selling to corporates, and it's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I do think that like it can often be much easier because you get referred from people, and, and all of that sort of. You know, I tapped up a lot of my own old colleagues and people I knew in the network, and you like you start there as well. If that's a, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, cold going cold, talk to people you know, friends, family, everybody. Make sure they all know what you're doing now, and all of that sort of thing. And but
1: this is it. Everybody knows somebody who works in a company. But like that's the thing, I, none of my friends outside of me know anybody else that runs their own business. They could not tell you anyone. But if you said to them, who works for McDonald's or who do you know that works for insert bank here or whatever, they'd be like, oh, my friend whose brother does this, they do. And da, da, da. everybody knows somebody. Yeah.
0: And actually lots of people lots and lots of people are still employed, like for me as well, like most of my friends and family are all employed. They don't get the whole small business thing and you know, doing it myself. So it's quite it's definitely quite a different thing. And it's remembering all the people that you might know. So yeah, if the cold thing is really difficult, think about who you know and ask people. Yeah, you know, I'm taking a new direction and I've got a new business or new direction or whatever it is and I want to talk to somebody about X. Do you know anybody?
1: But it's the art of reciprocity. You know, we, we do forget that and this is something that's very big in sales, people actually like helping people. You know, if, if people are if you're polite and courteous and you ask for a referral, people are much more likely to say yes than no. And and we forget that because they inherently we, we do want to help people, we do want to help sort things out and all of that kind of thing. And so actually if you just go to all of your old contacts and say, Hey, just let you know this is the business I've set up, this is what it's designed to do, this is how it's designed to help companies just like X. Don't suppose you know anybody who would be interested or who I could talk to, they'll come back to you and go, oh yeah, well here's so-and-so or here's five people or actually my team could do with that.
0: And we see that all of the time, that's just human nature. So listening to this, you need to think definitely about how you and your business can think about adding a corporate revenue stream, because it'll make, you know, it's. Make it feel like much less of a hustle. I think over time, particularly.
1: Yeah, your job in your business, and it's an unpopular opinion. Your job in your business is to be a salesperson first and foremost. You know that is your job because without that, you have a very very expensive hobby. You, if you're not making profit, that's where it is, and that's very unfair. You know, for women in general, because, like you said earlier, you know, women aren't always the primary earners and you know there there are many many women out there who do really want to change the world and the only way that women can is to have access financially and and to have equity financially to be able to do that to influence you know political change to be able to influence charitable donation and and you know work towards causes and, and things like that so really when when we look at our businesses we spend the most time being marketers. And that's very, very wrong. Because marketing doesn't make you money. Marketing makes you visible. That's the job. And that's a great, there's nothing against that. But it doesn't make you money. It's designed to hopefully bring in some leads. Sales makes you money and delivery makes you profitable. And and being able to deliver adequately and competently and hopefully exceptionally in most cases because you're all interested in your own businesses means that you don't ever have to go hunting for new clients you've always got existing clients who will continue to pay you more and and you'll be able to upsell to and resell to and that's much much easier b2b than it is b2c
0: Mm. and the values are much greater
1: yeah 100 percent. like if i'm going to sit there and somebody's going to pay me you know, my, my day rate for B to C is, is always interesting to, you know, again, give you a stark comparison. My day rate B to C, if somebody wants to work with me, is £8,000 for a day. I can go to a corporate and they will pay me three times that. My brain hasn't changed. The amount of time I'm spending has not changed. But they will pay me more simply because the value that I can add is a lot more. There's a lot more people that I can impact with that. There's a a lot more, you know, that that goes into the return on investment that they're going to get. And that's, you know, that is the reality of being a small business owner is that our job is to find people or the organizations that will pay us for the value that we actually provide rather than having to feel like we need to discount our prices or change our offers or change our expertise to fit what we most commonly see
0: yeah so lots of food for thought i think today so yeah quite a different tack from some of my previous episodes but i think it's really i think it's really important to consider (laughs) i think it's because a lot of it is about you know building your audience and stuff like that but it's Mm. like actually you know you should never discount i think having a corporate revenue stream in your business and really think about whether you can add that in and make life just a little bit easier and you know a lot of people i talk to you know pricing is a is a tough question, but they're also mostly not making enough money. And I think that adding a corporate revenue stream could really help you make more money more easily in your business too. 100%. 100%. I mean,
1: if you look 2021-22, the prediction is that uh, corporate businesses will spend over $3 trillion using small suppliers. That's quite a lot of money. That's more money than I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you are a small business and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, how can I generate extra revenue? Go for a piece of the pie you know is going to be there, right?
0: Exactly. So, where is the best place to find you?
1: Yeah, of course, if you haven't been put off by my horrific sense of (laughs) humour and think that you might now want to look at Corporate Revenue Stream, check out uh, the podcast. It's called Selling to Corporate. Obviously, I put hours of thought into that name, uh, but you can find it anywhere. If you Google it, it will pop up on iTunes, Spotify, or any other major podcast player. And if you are thinking about starting to sell to corporates, there's a really solid episode on um, how exactly you can do that and how to find the right stakeholders. That seems to be the bit that gets... A lot of people confused so if
0: you're listening and thinking about it check it out yeah and i, I have to say i do listen to the podcast and i think it's great so ah, yeah, it's a really good podcast thanks ever so much jessica talk to you soon thank you for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed the show do rate and review five star obviously if you can wherever you get your podcast, so that more people can hear about my pricing tips You can find me on Instagram at The Pricing Queen, where I share more pricing tips. So do let me know what you thought of today's episode. I'll see you soon.